This is El Paisano Media, and you're listening to EPM Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Real Hondo Sports Zone. I'm your host, Mia Alvarez, and I will also your online sports editor for the El Paisano newspaper. Today is an exciting day. We have our mystery guest here with us today. Our mystery <laughs> guest is Miss Coach Esco. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Ms. Esco. Can you give us, um, can you give our viewers a brief explanation of who you are and what you do at Rio Hondo? Yeah, I, uh, I'm a professor in the kinesiology department. Um, I've been at Rio Hondo for uh, 20 years now, and I'm also the head women's indoor and beach volleyball coach. So you, you mentioned it's your 20th year here at Rio Hondo. How does it to be coaching for this many years? <laughs> I feel old. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, no, it's uh, it's great. Um, I've really enjoyed uh, working at Real Hondo and, and building the program um, since 2003 when I started here. And, um, you know, I look back on the years and just lots of fond memories. I enjoy teaching uh, in the kinesiology department. Um, it's uh, it's been very rewarding in, in many capacities, not just working with uh, the student athletes, but um, great colleagues, um, great support campus wide. So I've uh, I've had a great time being a roadrunner for 20 years. <laughs> um, and I know that you started the beach volleyball program in 2013. So yeah. can you tell us our viewers a little bit more information about that program? Absolutely. So. Uh, about 2012, uh, beach volleyball for women started to come kind of emerge at the collegiate level, uh, specifically Division One, and um, started providing scholarships. And so there's a couple community college coaches like myself that, uh, you know, I'm a, I was a beach player as well, and so I kind of took it onto my radar, like, oh, this is this is exciting. Um, I never had that opportunity when I was in college, so. Um, there was one coach, uh, Tom Pascalesi from Irvine Valley, who uh, kind of started this uh, group of coaches to bring it to the attention of the state community college association and try to push it and create at least a club environment to see if this is something that um, our community college system would be willing to uh buy into and create another sport and opportunity for our young female athletes. And um, at the time, uh, Steve Bear, Dean Bear, was our athletic director and dean. And I approached him in 2013 after I did all my research, got the, went to all these summits and clinics. And he said, coach, let's run it as a club. Let's try it. Let's see what happens. And so we did that 2013, 14, 15, and by 2016, spring of 2016, we were an intercollegiate sport. And um, within that first season, uh, my number ones team, we filled five teams that compete at the same time. My number ones team actually qualified and went to the state championship event. Oh and God, so right there really kind of, um, uh, kind of closed out the, the, this is something we should be doing uh, and providing that opportunity for our young female athletes. And so everybody bought in. Um, 
we've been successful on the sand just as we are indoor. And um, it's actually one of the greatest things for me as a coach. It's provided more opportunity for my athletes to transfer out and get a scholarship and play at the next level. I have a lot of girls that are just playing beach only hope international locally have gone out to Arizona and played and just continued their education and playing career. So it's uh, I'm proud of bringing it to Rio Hondo and um, I love that program. I can't wait for the spring to get my toes in the sand. I can't wait either. I just been seeing <laughs> the indoor volleyball girls and they're doing amazing so far. Thank they're, you. Yes, I really agree with you. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that you earned coach of the year in 2012 and 2015 at the Foothill Conference. So how did that experience make you feel being coach of the year for two years? It, I, I mean, honestly, so that was the Foothill Conference. Um, you know, coach of the year, I, I got it in 2019 with South Coast as well. And honestly, um, it, it's pretty humbling to be nominated by your colleagues. You know, yeah. all of us coaches are very competitive and we want to do our best and we want our athletes to do their best. And we take so much pride in our programs. And um, I was very honored to have my colleagues um, and, and my competitors in a way recognize the hard work that I put into my program. Um, you know, the coach of the year isn't, isn't the championship, you know, winning team, you know, it's recognizing a coach that is doing, you know, investing everything they've got to provide the service to our student athletes and that collectively everything that goes into uh, the sports experience, not just what they're doing on the field or on the, you know, the court or in the water. Uh, there's a bigger picture to playing sports and coaching it. So it was an honor. I loved it. <laughs> um, I know you're a member of the American Volleyball Coaches Association. Mm -hmm. So yeah. how does it, how does it feel like you're one of the members of that association? You know, it's, um, I, it's, it's community. Um, I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it. I, I love, uh, I'm a part of a program called Matchpoint where I get to mentor other coaches. And um, to me, it's just an opportunity to stay connected, great networking. And um, I learn a lot just by uh, talking to other coaches. And it's kind of like chalk talk, you know, um, when you're passionate about something and somebody else is, I mean, it's just, you you just kind of go off with the conversation and um you know we just learn from from each other and evolve from there so you, i love being a part of it do you guys just kind of like just do a bunch of ideas of like oh you know this is how this is going so far in that um, certain program so the abca i'm a part of a couple different associations that one is the nationwide coaches association and so um the one event that i try to go to um, as often as I can is the uh, national convention and it's only once a year it's in December when the NCAA division one national championships are occurring so last year it happened to be in Columbus Ohio um, and I went to it and it's just a standard convention where you've got different breakout sessions and you could kind of pick and choose like mm -hmm. what you want to gain from the event you know a lot of you know um, player recruiting or budgeting or fundraising, um, 
uh, systematic type stuff, tactical, technical, skill work on the court, off the court. So um, that's kind of how I've really gained um, a lot of experience and exposure by attending the convention. And I know you earned a bachelor in kinesiology mm-hmm. and health from Arkansas State University. Why did you choose to go to Arkansas? Like, what what was it that you wanted to go there for? Do they have a certain program or? Yeah, the uh, I grew up in Long Beach, mm-hmm. California, and I went to Wilson. I played volleyball and soccer all the way through my childhood, and um, by my junior year in high school, I knew I wanted to play volleyball in college. And so I was heavy into the recruiting process and I was fortunate enough to get a nice um, offer from Arkansas State. And so I ended up taking that offer. So volleyball is the reason why I went to Arkansas State University from Southern California. And I know you mentioned you played soccer. How was that? Was it an experience or... Yeah, I oh, I love soccer. Um, actually, soccer was my first love. I did. I started that when I was five, and volleyball when I was eight. So, um, I played club soccer and club volleyball, and and I went back and forth year round playing both sports. And um, I just knew by my junior year that volleyball was. I was just a little bit more passionate about it, and I knew that I wanted to take it to the next level. So, um, I committed myself to training hard and hopefully opening that door. And I was very blessed that the door opened and I took it. Um, (laughs) I know you coached men's golf at Santiago Canyon College between 2015 and 2016. How was that since it's different from volleyball and soccer? It was a very unexpected opportunity that was presented to me. Um, I was offered to go over there and teach a nutrition class and work in their fitness center and um, coach or teach their volleyball classes. They had a brand new gym and um, the athletic director at the time came up to me and um, their golf coach had uh, had to step away from the program at a very short notice and um, they needed a coach to to step in pretty quickly and they knew I was successful as a volleyball coach up to that point as far as just the organizational element and motivating and supporting and running a program. And, um, I took the offer and I'm so glad I did because it was two years of experiencing the golfing element, um, and, uh, a whole other environment. It's an individual sport where I've only coached predominantly team sports. And so it tapped into a whole other element of me broadening my coaching ability Um, not only the environment, the culture, um, male to female, I got to work with, with men and, um, I, I'm very honored that I got to do that. And, uh, we were, we were very successful as well, which was a lot of fun too, because every coach wants to be successful. So yeah, it was a lot of fun, um, having those men, uh, do well and, and go, you know, do well in regionals and go to the state event and, um, so yeah, good times. Did you coach any high school sports? Yeah, just... I did. Yeah, I've coached uh, high school girls and boys volleyball. I started my coaching career at Magnolia High School, uh, Magnolia High School in Anaheim, and um, I started the boys volleyball program there in 2003, and um, I left there in 2006. Um, 
just to focus uh, with my coaching at Rio Hondo. So I did a couple of years of high school. So within your family, are you like the only coach? Like, or is it just, yeah. are there other um, people in your family that are also coaches? It's a great question. Um, no, actually, uh, I got into this coaching gig because uh, my father, who played at Long Beach State, he played volleyball at Long Beach State in the late 70s. And um, he was a college coach as well. Um, my first 12 years at Rio Hondo, I coached against him. He was the head women's volleyball coach at Chafee College in Rancho Cucamonga. Mm -hmm. And so um, growing up with a coaching father, uh, it kind of led me into recognizing um, that that was something I wanted to do when I got older. And uh, my sister coaches volleyball. She works at Magnolia High School. It's kind of why I went over there and coached as well. Mm -hmm. um, she's coached uh, boys and girls volleyball. And um, so, yeah, it's kind of a little bit in the family, in the blood. And then um, my husband is my uh, co-coach for the Rio Hondo women's beach volleyball team. Oh, my God. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how does it feel like to be coaching against your father? Like since he was a coach and you coached against him like how was it on the court was it like yeah it um so he retired in 2015 so it's been quite a, so from 03 to 2015 he you know he and I were coaching against each other we were in the same conference as well so there was no getting away from playing <laughs> his college and um you know he coached me as well when I was growing up um so there was uh it was it was a weird dynamic, you know, love my father. And, and when we see each other in the gym, we've always had that, you know, pre-match hug and Hey, good luck. And, uh, but once the game started, we wanted our teams to win. And, um, and then post game, you know, go give my dad a hug and whoever won. And we always had the bet of, uh, you know, whoever won, um, would buy the other one dinner, you know? So, um, I, I, I'm glad I had that opportunity because there's not many father, daughter, father, son, mother, daughter, um, coaching against each other situations out there across the country, really in many sports. And so we knew we had something unique going. Um, several articles were written about us over the years and, and, uh, I miss coaching against him. You know, he still comes and watches, which is kind of cool. He still supports me mm -hmm. and, um, I'm very blessed for that. How does it feel like having him watch you coach? Like, oh, I, he, he's proud of me and, uh, I know I make him proud. I, I know he's, he sees what I'm doing and it's just kind of a spit and image of, of him in his younger days. So, um, I love it. I love it when he walks in the gym, it's, uh, it's kind of like home, you know, and I have two younger daughters, um, that are early high school age and, uh, obviously, you know, my husband coaches with me, so it's great to have my family in the stands, you know, they, they fully support this career that I've chosen that is very busy and hectic. Um, but I love what I do and I appreciate that they're right there by my side with me. Do your daughters play any sports? They do. They're volleyball players. Oh, at what schools? Uh, my daughters go to Huntington Beach High School. I have a uh, sophomore and a freshman. Oh, they're just barely getting started. Oh Correct, my God. yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I, 
right now we're gonna get into like the girls volleyball of i know they're doing amazing i mentioned before they're doing really good yeah, i know it's the are. middle of the season and i know they did amazing on that game against elac yes that one was so good i was taking pictures that day and it was yes, just so I remember. intense yeah it was just like you had all the support of for the girls everyone was supporting the girls they had like the water polo boys also like cheering on and it was just it was crazy and then with that big win at the end it was so. um it was amazing uh leading into that game we had already beat uh cerritos at home mm -hmm. and then we went on the road and we beat long beach city both both of those matches in three and i think that was a great turning point for us in our season overall we had won some matches up to that point but uh you know beating Cerritos at home and then traveling to Long Beach City and beating them in three and Long Beach City's uh traditionally been a really really strong program over the years and so I think that just kind of lit that fire um in the team so when we had ELAC coming we had a lot um a lot of positive going into that match you know we're at home it's our hometown rival, um, you know, coaching this program for 20 years. I did give that information to my young players that, hey, this match is not just for playing another team. This is ELAC. This is this rival. is that rival. We've always been rivals. Um, and because it's a great program over there and they're well coached as well. And I knew it was just going to be a great match, a hard fought match on both sides of the net. And, um, and then, and then we had just more going into it with alumni. Um, it was a dig pink night. Um, we had a lot of family and friends in the stands. We had the water polo guys. I mean, they yes. couldn't have been They're any more impactful for us. And, um, I appreciate coach Smith, uh, sending them our way because mm -hmm. those men sitting in the front of the stands cheering leading our loud. cheers and just bringing that energy off the court that boosted us on the court to really propel ourselves to close out that match and get that. I mean, it was a barn burner. Yeah. It, it went five sets battling on both sides. I think we were all just exhausted after the game and um, the energy in there. I, I really think had we not had the mascot, the water polo men, um, our family and friends and alumni from the sidelines in the stands, really filling the gym with positivity and energy. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know if we would have pulled out that win because I could see it in our players' eyes that like that just that catapulted them, and they were like, "We're doing this." And I think it was really when they let's go Rio. I yeah. mean that. I mean I felt it. <laughs> And I thought, this is this is fantastic. And, and I was so happy for my athletes to feel that type of environment because I, that's awesome. And I know that this Wednesday, they achieved a major milestone on Wednesday, defeating Mount Sac. Yeah. And yeah. I, how was that? How was that game? <laughs> Again, same environment. Uh, we had... So it was at Mount Sac mm -hmm. and we had great fans travel to be in the Mount Sac gym with us. And, um, just the same thing. We, uh, we were fueled by the external. We were going into this match with the mentality we're going to win. And that's what I fed the girls 
since we beat PCC last Friday again, which was a huge upset. They were 10th in the state. Um, we were tied for third going into that match. And, you know, we pulled out that win. We go into Mount Sac. They're number one in the, in the standings and conference. They're 10th in the state again. We're unranked. And um, I just really pushed to these girls because we are so skilled. We are so driven that you can do this. And um, you could see the fight in their eyes. And credit to Mount Sac. They battled to the end as well. And we persevered and we took that match. And uh, it was amazing. We uh, That's three matches this season that these girls have fought really hard They're, and stuck yeah. to their guns to pull out wins. So, yeah. So since it's the middle of the season, so mm -hmm. what is your main goal for the girls or for yourself but that you want to accomplish at the end of the season? Oh, we're, uh, we've got we've got the trend line moving up yes. and I, and my assistant coach, um, Natalie said the other day to the team, you know, keep, keep that foot on the accelerator and let's just keep driving up that hill. And, um, that's the goal we have. Uh, we're currently five and two in conference and tied for second with mm -hmm. El Camino. And then, um, we're all, you know, eight and five overall, and we have six matches to go one non-conference and then finishing off the rest of uh season uh we'd like to win out number one and then um make it to the socal regionals and uh it is extremely extremely doable in our reach especially with the mentality and the work ethic the real hondo players have it we're gonna do it these these girls yeah. these girls are awesome this team is special and we've got great leadership and I have an amazing coaching staff and we're all on the same page and we're ready. I think you guys are going to do amazing. You guys are already you. won two like games already. So I think it's going to, it's looking pretty good. Yeah. Thank you. So I think so too. <laughs> um, do you still participate in volleyball? Yeah, I play when I can. Um, I coach my daughter's club volleyball as well. So the opportunity, if I'm playing, it's it's serving balls in practice, but I have young assistant coaches that do a lot of that for me now that I'm getting a little bit older. Um, but, you know, we'll set up a grass net. And since my husband plays as well, um, and my daughters do, we'll, you know, play a little family, father, daughter, mother, daughter kind oh of game. Um, before the pandemic hit, I played on Tuesday nights in a, in a women's league with uh, my sister and a bunch of her college teammates. That was a lot of fun, um, but a lot of us coach now, and so we haven't found the time to get back on the court and compete ourselves. Um, so I hope to. I hope to get back into it. It's just I'm coaching and teaching a lot. <laughs> oh, I know, and you're the professor of the kinesiology at Rio, too? Yes, yeah. I teach a class in the fitness specialist program uh -huh. at uh, Strength and Conditioning, and then um, I teach occasionally some activity classes right now with the volleyball load of indoor and then beach season I don't teach as much and that's okay I mean mm -hmm. I love my teams and I'm very happy to put um all my energy into my student athletes oh my god that's okay so mm -hmm. I think that is it we went Fantastic. through all my questions okay Great. so okay everyone this is all the time we have so I wanted to thank mm -hmm. you coach Esco 
for being the first of many features on Rio Hondo Sports Zone. Um, Thank you. Any of you Roadrunners out there listening, don't forget to say hi whenever you see Coach Esco. She's literally <laughs> so cool. Um, and I really appreciate you coming out and supporting our local podcast. And also, everyone, don't forget, go support our Lady Roadrunners on Wednesday, October 26th at 5 o'clock, where they're going up against Desert College. Come see the girls in action. You don't want to miss it. Next up, everyone, we're going to have the boys join us, and we're going to talk about upcoming real sports happening next week and some professional sports happening right now. Don't go anywhere. Hey everyone, we're back. We got Matthew, Lorenzo, and Noah up in here, so I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. Hi, my name is Matthew Medina. I am the news editor for El Pisano Media. I am Lorenzo Gaitan, the editor-in-chief at El Pisano. Hi, I'm Noah Scobie, the former sports editor of El Pisano. And now we're going to talk about uh, Rio Hondo Sports. We're going to elaborate on what already happened and what's upcoming. So, upcoming, I'll let one of you guys take it away. I think I've had. Oh, for upcoming games? Yes, you yes. Okay, well, upcoming games, we got. Um, well, this is. The day we're recording is Friday, but this is going to release on Monday. But upcoming game is Friday. This, today, the men's soccer is going to play Compton College away game at 4 o'clock. We'll, we'll know the results at, uh, after today during the weekend. And then Tuesday, October 25th at 4 p.m., we got uh, men's soccer against Long Beach College after and then uh women's soccer friday october 21st at one they play compton college that's today and then tuesday october 25th at 2 p.m they play against long beach college all the way games men's water polo uh will play thursday october 27th at four against citrus college and then friday october 28th at 12 30 against la valley women's water polo will also play today at or they already played at 9 10 a.m um, against Diablo Valley College. And then s- Saturday, they will play out Cypress College on October 22nd at 9, 10 a.m. Uh, Wednesday, October 26th at 5 p.m. against Desert College for women's water polo. And then Friday, October 28th at 6 p.m. against Cerritos. Wrestling, Wednesday, November 12th at 7 p.m. against Polomar College. And then November 9th at 7 p.m. against Santa Ana College. That is our schedule for the week. Um, it should be a good one. Yeah, it should be good. Jam-packed with exciting. games. So let's talk about men's soccer so far. Yes. Oh, wow. Maddie over here covered the game. It was a nail-biting game. Nail-biter. Dude. Three to two hours to the number one ranks. Okay, so... Matthew, break it down. Yeah, so so coming into the game, Cerritos was ranked number one in the CCCAA with a record of 12-0-2. They haven't lost a game. And then Rio Hondo came into this game. They already won two conference games, so they were leading the standings with Cerritos. And, you know, this game was definitely a preview matchup for an upcoming playoff game. And it was very high intensity, Um, you know. But both teams started out slow. And then, you know, they were keeping each other in the middle of the field and rarely taking shots. And then there was a – the lights didn't turn on for, like, 
10 minutes. They had the lights off. So it was like super dark and they were like, get the lights on. (laughs) And so they turned the, once they'll turn, once they turn the lights back on, Cerritos College just like, they unloaded. They scored two goals like immediately after the lights turned on. Quick goals. And then um, later in the first half, Rio Hondo drew a penalty kick. And then um, Ebenezer, I don't know how to say his last name. Ebenezer Chini? I've, I probably messed that up. <laughs> Ebenezer Chini? Yeah. <laughs> um, he scored a penalty kick, and that gave the runners uh, their first goal of the game. It was 2-1 to one coming into the halftime. And then um, second half, that's when all the drama started kicking in. Um, what type of drama? Please spill. Yes. So what I saw was the first thing I remember seeing was one of the coaches from our side uh, barking at the other team. But I'm pretty sure the other team started it. I'm 100% confident because they they uh, they were talking a lot of, you know, they were talking. They were talking smack. They were talking smack. <laughs> they were talking smack. And one of the players – uh, got a foul, and then our our bench, you know, got all excited, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he was like, shut up, and then and then our bench started barking at him, like, burr, burr, burr. Like, burr, 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 like that, and then yeah, it was just a lot. It was a lot. It was so intense. It was like the first time Cerritos trailed or something like that, because they were getting super super agitated, and then um. You know, RHC had noticeable improvements to start the second half. Um, they kept possession of the ball, unlike the first half, where they would go into transition and take shots, but they would miss the goal, obviously. But um, in the second half, they got possession a little bit more. Um, they became more aggressive. And, uh, you know, the game, the game stayed tied for 20 minutes. And then um, Cerritos got a penalty kick. So... That game or that ended up making the game uh three to two. And then um the rest of the game was more of just Ruhondo trying to score. Clock started the clock kept running down and eventually they couldn't score. They had plenty of chances, just uh they they couldn't they didn't ex- execute. So they lost with a final score of three to two and um I interviewed uh, Coach Orlando Brennis after the game. He was impressed with his team, but uh, his knew, he knew his men could play better. Um, he said, quote, we missed our chances too, and unfortunately that's soccer. But I thought our boys... <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Testing out the new soundboard, guys. We love... <laughs> We're going to be playing with this. So but. Um, but he said, but I thought our boys played well too. We're the comeback kids. So Ooh, I like that. Um, so yeah, so he, that's what he um, that's what he said. But he knew Tuesday night that was it was going to be a tough game to beat the number one team in California, and uh, they definitely looked like it going in the first half. But in the second half, Rio Hondo gave him a game. So I mean, it was a good game. Uh, Road Brothers dropped to seven seven six and three overall, and two two and one in the conference. And then Cerritos is 13-0-2. So, you know, they're still number one. And Rio Honda will play Compton today. And we'll see those we'll see those uh, scores eventually. But um, they need to win the next few games in order to stay alive and hopefully have a good rest of the season. 
And I know the women's soccer also played against Compton College today also. Yes. They actually, they might be, they might have done, finished. Not yet. 90-minute games. But at the same time, you know, like you talked about the transition play, it's, you know, especially when Rio Honda College, they, they, they do so well in holding that posi- that midfield area that, you know, if you get you get caught off and you get caught in that transition, especially with a fast-paced team like Cerritos. Cerritos will just punish you for it. And you, and you, and you mentioned it. They, they got them off the rip. Once the lights turn back on, you it's a bl- blinding light atmosphere. Friday night light under the lights, you know, you're going to get caught in, caught uh, encounters. And, you know, again, it's all about putting your chances. They were – Cerritos scored two pretty goals. Like, it was – they were nice goals from maybe, like, 20, 30 yards out. It was pretty – they were nice goals on the uh, the corner of the the post. It was – they were really nice. And uh, – but after that, they, they couldn't be – they couldn't have the same energy until they got that penalty kick. So Rio Hondo could have easily won that game if it wasn't for mistakes. I think you make a good point. This is the first time Surreo trailed in the game. Oh, really? And I think this is a big confidence booster for uh, the program. And they just need to build on that. And they just need to move forward and hopefully they get a good result in being in Compton College. Yeah, it was that you could tell in the, the team felt really confident going into the game and especially after the game it was a heartbreaking loss but they they knew they played well and um they definitely gave Cerritos a game so that is my review oh yeah it's especially especially good when you can give them a game and and and, and actually press them it's a number like you said the number one team in California and you start playing um it's going to be a it's going to be a playoff matchup for sure if, oh definitely if this team can continue to in the winning ways and you know, that's again, you, you're not going to always get caught in transition like that. You're all, and that's something that's very easily bu- built upon and fixed. So I definitely think this Rio Hondo program has a chance at contention and 100%. You know, it's not hard to, you know, come back kids. It's not hard to take a top dog down, mm-hmm. you know, especially yeah. in football. You're going to be able to do it. They, had, they definitely have good players, and their players have gotten better and better throughout the season. And, um, you know, once it comes down to the final few games mm-hmm. and they got to go to the conference tournament i feel like they'll play their best soccer and they'll they'll get it done Being these high states emotion from both sides could this be a, like a rivalry um yeah i it could be a rivalry. i'm pretty sure it might have it still probably is a rivalry yeah um i don't know if cerritos has been good in the past but right now they are pretty good and i feel like because rio hondo has been a powerhouse recently for soccer yeah. right so I feel like Cerritos wanted to get this win, even though um, they are the number one. They wanted to beat Rio Hondo, and they did. But um, we'll probably see them again in the in the postseason. Okay, now we're gonna move on to. Do you guys have anything else for soccer? Nope. No, that was perfect. Okay, and now we're gonna move on to the women's water polo and the men's water polo. Uh, the women's water polo just. Be Elac seven to ten. It was a win. Uh, this Wednesday, October nineteenth. It was really good. Everyone was really supportive of each other, and Coach Lim had a great plan. Yeah. Um. I don't know they, what it felt like that. They, uh, <laughs> <laughs> as much as I, I think they're, I think again, like you said, when you have a great plan, you can, you can execute yeah. like that, especially with a great team. That's how they are. You're going to be able to win plenty of games, plenty, a lot of games. But at the same time, you know, great teams, great plans sometimes don't work out. And, you know, that's just how 
life is. That's how the, they won. The they won is. two in a row. Yeah, they they're doing really great. And what's uh, the what's their overall record? Three and fifteen. Yeah. Ooh. So Just you know like the, they've lost a lot, but they've also on a win streak now. That's all that matters. Yeah, all that. That's all you need yeah. sometimes. That's mm-hmm. all you need sometimes to bounce back. And soon enough, how many, how many more games they got? Uh, hopefully they end the season strong on a good note and over 500 at least moving move into a good confidence booster starting next year. Yeah, but the the same thing goes for uh, men's water polo. They're struggling right now. They have a seven and sixteen record. They're below 500 with a conference record of two and two and eight. Uh, currently, they found one spot down in the SEC standings from last week, from fourth to fifth place now after. Going one and four in the uh, Kusta tournament, um, so that was a big blow to the program. But um, their notable their notable games are um, they played a uh, online college their first game of the tournament lost by two goals with a score of twelve and ten. The well, second game versus Modesto College by one goal. With a score of eleven to ten, so they've lost close games. Yeah, the third game versus Los uh, Posidas College. Thank you, Matthew. (laughs) They lost by two goals with a score of sixteen to ten, and in the fourth and final game of the tournament, they finally won with a score of fourteen to five against San Diego Mesa College. Let's go. <laughs> and the the top performances of the tournament for Rio Hondo. Um, top, top five, uh, we got uh, Al- number three, Alexander Deuce with one goal. Number seven, number seven David Dennis with four. Uh, number nine, uh, Jaime Abria with two. Number 11, Aaron Ayala with seven. And number 14, Kay- Kalani. Cabrera with one goal. And the overall tournament goals for Rio. Uh, of course, number number 11, Aaron Avila with 24 goals altogether. Number 9, Jaime Abria with 11 goals. Number 7, David Guterres with 10 goals. And uh, rounding the 4th and 5th spot, is there was two players tied with three goals and two players tied with one goal. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. Hopefully they get Onwards and upwards, everybody. Onwards yes. Upwards. yes. 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 There's nothing uh, more. Yes. I love this onboard. <laughs> hey, we're going to play with this all day. <laughs> 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 oh, my God. Oh, okay, yeah. so I know women's water polo is going to have a game uh, actually today at 9, 10 in the morning against good Diablo luck. Valley College. Oh, they already played. Yeah, already is, played is this score updated on... Uh, not yet. Uh, I don't think ch- it's updated yet. Let me check. Let me check. Let me check. Let's see a score update. That's a uh, commercial break. Okay, I, love I got the it. Soundboard. I love it. I love it. Okay. <laughs> um, there is no score update. <laughs> so yeah, it'll be updated soon. <laughs> We'll Probably get you guys tomorrow. update. We'll post you guys on that uh, soon enough once that comes out. But good luck. Hopefully, they come out with a dub. Um, you know, two game winning streak, maybe pull that to a three. Uh, hopefully, yeah. 
Women's volleyball played also this week yes. on Wednesday. Women's volleyball. Oh, Mount Sac. Our favorite program. program here. We're not biased. <laughs> um, but yeah, they played a really good game against Mount Sac. A big, big rivalry win. Again, Coach Esco. Loved. Did you go to that game? No, I didn't, but uh, I heard a lot of great things from Coach Esco. Yes. I want to fill us in. I wonder that game I covered it. Um, yeah. All right, and, so the Mount Sac and Rio performances of the night. Uh, a quick little note before we get into it. For the second consecutive match, Rio Hondo women's volleyball team took down two of the top states' number 10 ranked volleyball teams. So they beat the they beat PCC with the score of 3-1, to one, and uh, they beat uh, Mount Sac 3-2. to uh, Stats performance of the night uh, goes out to freshman, outside hitter, middle hitter, Number 17, Maria uh, Bengas, total of season high, 16 kills in the win. Mm. Five of those came in the deciding fifth set, including a booming kill to the back of the net to seal the deal for the Rihanna Rope Runners. And they set off in celebration. And on top of that, Bengas added six digs and a total of five blocks in the night. Also, Sophomore server number four, Faith Wada, put together another solid match, leading Rio Hondo with 22 assists, 18 dids, and five aces. Furthermore, sophomore outside hitter number seven, Nadine Aronos, added 12 kills and 11 dids. The, the road runners were outstanding on defense as they totaled 80 goals together as a team. Well, they're a fantastic just hitting team. That team just knows. I, I, I'm going to continue to say it because they, they, they're all telepathic. Their, their connections, especially, you know, Wada and, and Nadine, their connections specifically is really good. Should the team make an appearance in the top 25? Oh, God, yes. Yes, they, yes. they will. Yeah. It's Put me on record right now. They will make up an appearance in the top 25 just they because they proven, are that good. They have a proven track record. And uh, hopefully the coaches of um, – of that committee figure something out and put Rio Hondo in the top 25 because they, be they need to be in there because they work, they work their, their butt off and the sky's the limit for them. Oh, yeah, especially with a young team. They're just, they're, they're dominating. They are going to dominate. Um, they know how to play. It's just, I, I, I can continue gushing over them. They are fantastic. They are <laughs> hopefully soon, wink, 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 that we will have some more special guests on, maybe. Oh, maybe little, a little teaser. A little teaser on yeah. that one. But uh, <laughs> Last thing on the volleyball team. Do you guys think they're playing with Swagger and Mojo? Oh, yeah. Oh, I they love got, their supporters. Dude, they've got Swagger. I have that yet team. to see them play yet. Well, well I'm going to take we you to the game. We're going to the game this weekend. We're going to the game. We're going to the game this week. But um, they play with such Swagger and such con- con- like commitment, confidence in that lineup. They... they they just know. They you can tell they feel like they're as Jock Peterson would say, I can't repeat it, but as Jock Peterson would say, they're bad. Mm. They are some bad. Just Jock Peterson knows. I think yeah. those that you know, you know. If you know, you know. The shining pearls. They yeah. they got them. They're they're they have confidence. All the confidence mm-hmm. in the world and I know they're gonna take that and use that. And they, they seem to be quick with each other. And I love their support system. Yes. Yeah. They um, have a very good support system. We before me. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, isn't there? That's their motto. Way before me. Their slogan, yeah. Way before me. 
I'm very excited to see their game on Wednesday, October 26th. I think they five. really have a shot at winning out yes, this schedule. They do. Oh, yeah. Their final game is at Pasadena, Pasadena City. Oh, wow. Pasadena's. Huh? Did you say Pasadena's? Mm. Yes, Pasadena's. <laughs> Pasadena's. PCC. Boom. That's a good rivalry game to just knock yes. them out. Yes. That's a good one. Now, yeah. now here's the thing. that They play a non-league game versus Desert College. Do you think Coach Esco goes in with a different uh, lineup? No, I think you got to no. I think you just play it normally and you, you end up you, you, it's a good it's a good warm up. It's a good it's a good testing game. It's always just you know you don't go with the damn same a different yeah. lineup. You just play it play it normally. Get get mm. works in get reps and you can use this as a as a stepping stool to the next league game and get them warm. Make sure they're not you know as because as we've seen in the MLB playoffs, bye weeks mm-hmm. hurt and they hurt because mm-hmm. you're not getting reps and you're not getting that same high intensity play. And you always want to be you know fit and first fo- fit and firing for every game you play. Correct. So I think this game has to be you know. Go out there and leave every leave everything out on the floor. They have gotten uh, a week off. Yes, it's this. Yes, week. yeah. So, you know, again, bye weeks do hurt, but I don't think it hurts this team. All right. Yeah. So, we're gonna be talking a little bit about wrestling. So, I know the wrestling team has a game November second. That's in November at seven o'clock against Polymore College. I haven't really seen a lot of wrestling. Lately, and I haven't seen any of the scores of the um, of the last games, so maybe they'll up the update those. They should, so we could get more information on them. Maybe have a player or staff from them also for our mystery guests. But yeah, all I see are W's. Yeah, what they have they so far, they got yeah. they take dubs. One thing to mention is their most recent match is October first. At the California Regional Duels at a Court Cerritos. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, the, the scores weren't posted yet. And yeah. Okay, now we're going to be talking about professional sports. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Grab your popcorn. Grab your yeah. drinks. Let's go. Um, See, this is where we need the, the air horn. <laughs> <laughs> we need that. We'll, we'll fix that soon. But, uh, yeah. Professional sports, guys. Into the NFL this week. Oh, yeah. A lot of stuff happening right here, right Right now. now. (laughs) Going on, all right. I know Adam Schefter eating right before all those guys are drinking a bunch of coffee right now because they need it because deals are being made right now. Deals are being made. You want to start with the big news? The big breaking news? The big breaking news, CMC. Oh my god. Once upon a time, the Carolina Panthers, Panthers just got fleeced. Yes. Into sending Christian McCaffrey to the San Francisco 49ers for draft picks. Yes. For multiple To be specific, they are sending a second, third, and fourth round draft picks in 2023 and a fifth round draft pick in 2024 to the Carolina Panthers for star running back Christian McCaffrey. That is the definition of fleece if I've ever seen one. Because my God, they didn't they didn't give up anything. You did not give up anything for a star running a running back that improves that run game. But also, but let me be real. Let me be real. Let me keep it a stack. Let me keep it a buck fifty. I don't think Christian McCaffrey wins them a Super Bowl. Mm. I don't think this addition helps no. them or takes them to the next level. I still think the Bills are number one contenders. I think. Yeah, it's, it's the Bills right now. The no, the Bills look so unstoppable, you know. 
their uh, medical tent is going to be busy. Oh, yeah. Yes. And <laughs> the key factor in the Christian McCaffrey trade of the Niners, if he can see healthy, he's going to be a solid pickup. If he cannot, then that's going to hurt the whole, the whole organization as a whole. And they're going to go back to square one. They were better off picking up Cam Akers. Mm. Hey, he's on the trade block, too. He is on the trade block. hasn't gone anywhere. He probably won't go anywhere. I, I genuinely think that's going to be the prediction that he doesn't go anywhere and the Rams hold on to him. Because, I mean, let's be real. The Rams need that running team. They need run, yes. they need they need a running back, and they need more receivers. And they need offensive linemen. Oh, 100%. 100%. I think they might trade him. Only because we've seen, I don't know what's going on with Cam mm-hmm. Makers. It could be, you know, personal stuff or it could be stuff mm-hmm. for the team. But we've we've already seen the team kick out a player, yes. and move into another team. We saw with the Panthers and they they kicked off Robbie Anderson and he went to the yeah. Cardinals. So you know we could see the Rams trade away Cam Akers, um, but you know we'll see we'll see what happens. It's all about bowstring that wide receiving. And you know, Cooper again, I said it last week. I'm going to say it again this week. Cooper Cup send him to a massage therapist. Man, God, <laughs> he needs he needs some work after carrying that team. You know, yes. last season and he's going to need it this season. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, the 49ers fleeced the Panthers for that trade. That's, yes. They gave up pennies for but a star. Here's the thing the Panthers are clearing house. That's They've true. been clearing house since they let rid of, let go of Matt, Matt Rule. And they just announced that they're going to put DJ Moore on the trade block too, as well. Man, so they're just, they're going to have a full rebuild. rebuild huh? Full yeah. rebuild. Full rebuild. That's fine. Did you guys hear that? Um, few months after being traded to the Cleveland Browns, star quarterback Deshaun Watson was caught driving 97 miles per hour on the Ohio Turnpike. That's not all he did. He's done a lot. He's done way <laughs> worse. He's, he's, he's done yeah, way this worse. Is, this is yeah. minimal damage. This is the minimal <laughs> of what he's done in Cle- in a short time in Cleveland. Uh, he doesn't come back. I don't think he comes back to the NFL. Wow. But he's supposed to be back by week 11, I believe. Against... The Texans. Yeah, I know. Yes. That's crazy. <laughs> I just I think uh star wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins is set to return from a six game pick. He already action. played yeah. on Thursday yeah. night. Let me give you the results of the game. And to be honest, it looks like he's still a PD. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> so Dude rushed for a hundred yards. hundred and three yards. <laughs> <laughs> We're terrible with this soundboard. We're gonna get better sounds. But yeah, it for being suspended for PEDs. Dude looked like he was playing on PEDs. It's that just is insane. Crazy. And it seemed like Kyler Mur- Murray really missed him. Oh, Kyler Murray did miss him. Yes. So bad. I'm the surprised f- he played. Oh, know, yeah. Because the Call of Duty came out. Oh. <laughs> did you see that mean? <laughs> oh, my God. We're just flaming the Cardinals. The Cardinals mm-hmm. so, I, I know a major, a major name, Tom Brady. He was making a lot Very major. of comments. Like a comment on, the, on a podcast with Jim Gray. On mon- this Monday, he compared the NFL season to military deployment. What do you guys think Ludicrous. about that? Ludicrous. A- actually, it is his podcast with Larry Fitzgerald and Jim Ray. Um, but based off his comments, I think it's just the frustration going on personally in his life right now. Oh, yeah. Not having his <laughs> wife and kids by his side. Um, they live in uh, Zach separate- Wilson's coming. <laughs> Zach Wilson is coming for her. Zach Wilson is another story. Oh no. Yes. Awesome. You can really tell like it's taking a toll on him because look at 
He had a he had a major outburst in front of his offensive line. Oh yeah, that's that's I I can understand and where he's coming from, especially struggling on a on a team he's expected to win a certain another certain superstar that's supposed yes. to be his best friend Cristiano Ronaldo struggling exactly the same with Manchester United. Um, you know, it's you can you can tell they're human beings. They're human beings. The frustration of what's going on in your personal life and what's going on in the sports world is going to get to you eventually. You know, but I do not think you know making comments like that. Showing that frustration on the field, you know, yelling at your own—it's not—it's especially as kind of the face of, of I was about to say the face of baseball, the face of football, you know, it's it's unbecoming. Come on. Yeah, they, but sorry, did he step over the line by saying, comparing the NFL with the military thing? And fast forward to yesterday in his presser, he said retirement is not in my future. So. What does he want, dude? Does he want that, that's his what's wife? gonna play until he's like seventy? Yeah, he, I mean, now that he says that, I know because what's his his wife was the one that was wanting was pressuring him to retire. She yeah, was 20, the one that twenty years in the NFL and she put her career on hold to start a family and support him. And which now, I, I, I makes sense. It makes sense, but at the same time, it's like twenty years in the NFL, man. Like, he, I, I get you're in peak physical fitness too. It's like, come on, you're. But, you're but is his time coming to an end? And I think it really, it really shows that the way his emotions are coming out right now. Yeah, it's 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 a young man's game. They look at the young stars yeah, that are coming out and and who are who are just dominating him and dominating the Bucks. It's it's just it's hard, you know, for 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 somebody to do that, especially. It reminds me. This is such a terrible comparison. It reminds me a lot of Lightning McQueen in Cars Three. Mm, know, that the, is a great comparison. You know, all the younger cars coming Ka-chow. in against him. Yes, and he's getting frustrated. Like, man, I got no. But Lightning McQueen's likable. Good <laughs> chow. Oh god. Okay, so now we're gonna be talking about MLB. Ladies and gentlemen, I know gentlemen. that, that game against the Padres and the Phillies are happening right now. I don't want to talk about it. We got to talk about it. We're we have to talk here. about it. It's exactly how I felt that night. Yep. The Dodgers choke another postseason, especially a postseason that was supposed to be the one. This was going to be a 2020. Every year it's supposed postseason. to be the one. That is but, true. And but every but year they break my heart. Yep, that's true. This um, year so sad, that game. was a record-breaking year, and it was supposed to happen. like But you know what? That proves that 111 wins does not matter. Yes. No, nope. the regular season does not matter. And All it takes is getting hot at the right time. And you look at the San Diego Padres; they were hot. And this is what I'm going to say: the buy is stupid. Yes, they had five days off. The Padres went into that series red hot, beating the Mets, taking them to Game Three. You know, then going to the Dodger series. The Dodgers have been playing simulated games against each other all week. Do you really think they were going to give each other the same intensity as San Diego would? No, no, not at all. You know, you have Gavin Lux batting for you. It's it, it, you have two simulated lineups. It's not going to do anything for you. Yeah. You need to be and playing. Then, and then adding, uh, no offense to Trace Thompson, splash brother number two, but having him in the lineup all three games is a big question mark because you had Cody Bellinger on the bench, Joey and, Gallo too, and Joey Gallo. Chris so. Taylor went. Chris Taylor did nothing that entire yeah. series. I think they were so confident that they were going to beat the Padres that they just put out almost the same copy yeah. paste lineup. All three games, 100%. all four games. That's a good one hundred percent. That's a good point, and and you you really saw how how Dave Roberts was managing the game, and how uh, Cody Bellinger was upset with him for not putting him in the lineup because and and it it really showed. And hell, I think I think Dave Roberts was kissing 
putting Bellinger's butt by putting <laughs> by putting him in the in the eighth inning. No, but at the same time, Cody Bellinger can't complain when he's going to go strike out or go hit into the shift. I, I, he hasn't been doing good. Cody Bellinger cannot, has zero right to complain. Yes, Cody Bellinger's defense is what keeps him in this Dodgers yes. lineup. It's not the bat. Obviously, these last two seasons have not have proved that. It's He has no room to complain about, oh, I want to start, I want to play. I And I get where you're saying that because it's like the complacency. That's what I saw. It was complacency. You know, you beat the Padres in the, in the season, during the regular season, you came into that season. Ah, we'll mm-hmm. let him. We'll let him take one. We'll let him take two. We'll can. We'll come back. We'll play harder, right? No, it's it's the same Dodgers mismanagement of a bullpen. Same mismanagement of. I think the decision that hurt them the most is when it mattered, and when Dave Roberts took Tyler Anderson out. Thank you. One hundred percent. He was, that, was look, look at his stat line when he took him out. He pitched five innings, two hits, n- no earned runs, two walks, and six strikeouts. Imagine, T.A. was dealing, bro. Yes, imagine he picks maybe one more inning. You would have been solid. Yes. You would have let yeah. them go. You would have been fine. Two. You would have. What should have happened was you let, if you were going to pull T.A. out, Fireman yeah. Evan Phillips needs to come in and, and put it out. Fireman or, Evan Phillips was the guy. He to struck out the out. side. Evan exactly. Phillips struck out the side. Or instead of Phillips in that situation, maybe Brewster? Bruzdar. You had Bruzdar warming Bruzdar, up. Bruzdar was literally warming up, and then they sat him down for. Against El Monte, it's it's it's, now now that they're in the offseason, now we're gonna start talking about Dodgers offseason moves. You know, ten notable free agents, dude: Trey Turner, Justin Turner, Joey Gallo, Andrew Heaney, Tyler Anderson, Canley, Craig Kimbrell, Kevin Pillar, NTA, Chris Martin, Clayton Kershaw. You know, Mm -hmm. these free agents, like, if you don't sign any of them, if you just let them all walk, that's about ninety ninety nine million dollars that comes back to you. With arbitration as well. You can also non-tender a certain setter fielder. That I shall not mention his name. And no, I, mention his name. And look, at, and look at Justin Turner as a, uh, as a, club, as a club option. And I don't think they pick it up. No. I, you either pick... You pick up Justin Turner's option just to be a here-and-there kind of guy, but you and, take him in there for the leadership. Presence. Oh, 100%. Yeah. He's, just, he's a batting coach. He's, he's an additional batting coach. That's all you use him for. Um, Cody Bellinger, 2023... Personally, I think you give him one more. Year. I don't think he they non-tender him because he's just he's a club player. That's he's a homegrown kid. He's a, he is a Dodger. You know he is what you think of. He's the next generation of I think of a Dodger. That's Cody Bellinger, and I don't think you let him go. But do you think he goes to the Arizona Diamondbacks because that's his hometown? Nope. I don't think he. Uh, it's either he's going to the Diamondbacks. I don't know. Not even the Diamondbacks. He goes to the New York. He'll go to New York to the Yankees. <laughs> But <laughs> it's it's but, the laughingest laugh of ever. Cause okay, you go to the Yankees because your dad, your dad played for the Yankees. That's like the most yeah. uh, sentimental thing you can do. But at the same yeah. time, with the shift going, maybe yeah. Cody Bellinger has a resurgent year? Question mark. He, the he, shift what? really hurt him. Oh, 100 yeah. percent. It hurt the it hurt the whole league. Yeah. It wasn't that MLB average like the lowest it's been? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Correct. Correct. So Cody Bellinger really could have a resurgent year. Maybe maybe batting like two fifty. Maybe batting two sixty. <laughs> Maybe batting, just maybe just trying, you know. I, I think his 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 unwillingness to fix the swing hurts him. I think it hurts him a lot. Yeah. Um, but you know what? If he goes, we free up around ninety nine million. You know, according to Alden Gonzalez of ESPN, uh, he sees the Dodgers resigning Trey Turner. But you know what? He said they wouldn't mind letting him walk to sign another certain, another certain you know free agent center fielder who just had a record year. Potentially the next AL MVP, 
you know, oh my God. the American League home run uh, setter, Aaron oh Judge. God. Alden Gonzalez is saying Aaron Judge is a potential move to the Dodgers in center field. I don't like it. No, because if if we sign if the Dodgers sign him, we'll be above the luxury tax by a billion dollars, and most of the money will be going to Mookie and him. So it's not it's not even worth it. And again, my thing with Aaron Judge is the fact that it's one season. Aaron Judge's yeah. injury problems hurt me. I just I don't trust him with the the way he's so injury prone, and the fact that one season you're playing in New York. That's a little league field. Yeah, That's the fences are in. It's a little league field. 62 home runs. Did you see? I saw this on Twitter. Um, Kyle Schwarber's homer in game game one of the yeah. NLCS, 488 feet. A nuke. That would have been out in two Yankee stadiums. Wow. <laughs> wow. Because that Yankee short poach sucks. Two. two. Cleared it. Speaking of the, <laughs> speaking of the league championship series, let's get into that. Um the Phillies won uh, game one, two to zero, and Bryce Harper was on fire, and uh, Kyle Schwarber was it's on a bomb. fire. Actually, absolute nuke. Talking about the Phillies. Then game two, it seemed like they had it under control, but the wheels started falling off mid midway in the game, and the Padres rallied back and scored seven runs in between the game. They were down four zero at one point, and now, now they were up seven four in like the mid seventh. That's and the Phillies bullpen. They yeah, they ended up winning that game eight five, and then you have Fireball Hater coming in throwing some major heat with three Ks to finish that it off. F- that fifth inning for the Phillies was horrendous. That was a Dodgers yes. fifth inning right there. Yes, yes. But again, the, Do- the Phillies bullpen has been a known problem. You know, the Dodgers bullpen on the other hand. Is supposed to be one of the best in baseball. And again, going back into free agency, you know, there's major bullpen pieces that are coming back. And maybe even some starting pitches com- coming back. Apparently, Trey Turner wants to head back to the East Coast. You know, he his best landing spot is apparently the Philadelphia Phillies. I like that. I actually kind of do like As that. As a baseball fan, I like that. I like that. that. I do kind of like it a little bit, but I don't <laughs> want to believe the Dodgers. But, you know, like now if you look at this, who do the Dodgers sign as a shortstop? You know? Uh, Corey Seager. Dan's Bay. I'd love to sign Dan's Bay, but like a lot of people want to see Carlos Correa in Dodger Blue. No. No. We talked about this last (laughs) week. Can we not? Keep bringing this up. Come on. Come on. That's scary. Everybody needs a villain. But again, you could also slide Gavin Lux to the short, give him the starting role again. You could slide Gavin Lux over. But again, also we need starting pitching. Walker Buehler isn't going to come back to 2024. um, Oh, that sucks. Jacob DeGrom. Is a free agent. I'd like to sign Jacob Degrom. The fact that this is all a possibility for the the Los Angeles Dodgers is mm-hmm. crazy. Because they have the money. They to have do the it. money to do it. I can see no one else going to any other team like the Pirates. Pirates are not gonna do anything. Pirate, but that's just because that's the, yeah, yeah, it's the Pirates. They only have Cecil Cruz. Orioles not gonna do anything. O'Neill Cruz might even. I would even. I would a former Dodger O'Neill Cruz. Red Sox. No. They have money. They won't do it. <laughs> No, it's they, like it's like saying Shohei Otani's gonna go to the Dodgers. They could set up a package for you know the Dodgers. I think Shohei likes red. I think Shohei could. He's stay gonna out. go to the Red Sox. No, but <laughs> there, there's a current report going on that he was frustrated with the Angels. Yes, oh, of course I would be. When multiple things that he might be considering going back to Tokyo, Japan. Wow. wow. 
Yeah, Heading so that, back home? That's that, terrible. That's, that's, a, that's trouble in paradise, not only for the angels, but MLB in the, in the hole. In general. Because, and I think as an as Artie Moreno should, I think you either, it, you have one of two options. You blow it up and you sell Shohei Otani and you sell Mike Trout, or you hold them, but you have to put the work in. You have to really bolster that squad. You're going to have to be like the Dodgers and start, okay, I want Jacob DeGrom, I want Dansby Swanson, I want Carlos Correa. You have to do that. To at least make Shohei happy, mm-hmm. you know we all know Mike Trout is just like uh-huh. he's not going to say it. Mike Trout's never been that guy to say what he feels. I think I think Mike Trout's a poster boy and oh, 100 percent. He he's he, been the poster boy. Yes, he he understands his role. 100 percent. Which poor guy, you're never going to win a World Series. No. Which no, he should be playing in a, in the postseason every year. Same with Shohei, should be playing every year. There's a lot of players that oh, deserve yeah. to be in the postseason. Yes. Oh yeah. And. You know, their management just is awful. People are saying that the Dodgers could, if they were to go for Shohei, break the farm system, you know, including packages with catcher Diego Cartaya, Bobby Miller, the pitcher, you know, Miguel Vargas, Michael Bush. I'm not done. I'm not done yet. James (sighs) Outman. Oh, my. (laughs) Andy Pajes. And have to include some big league ready talent. So potentially Dustin May. Potentially a Tony Gonsolin, potentially a Gavin Lux for Shohei Otani. I don't like this. It's it's a lot, but at the same time, it is it's a heavy risk. It's a generational talent. This is Babe the Babe the next Babe Ruth that you have in your team. He loves Los Angeles. He loves being here. It's it's what it's just sending him up the five. You he could and I guarantee you he'd be so good at in Dodger as a Dodger. He'll yeah. look he'll look he'll good. Look so good as a he'll Dodger. He looks sexy. It's just like you have to really think about it from a managerial perspective. Do you want to break your farm system, or do you want to just let him rot in Angel in, in Anaheim? I don't like that, bro. So I'm gonna well, give a little update about the Phillies and please say somebody. Please say the Phillies. Uh, the Padres. Right now, the Phillies have one to zero. It's the middle of the second, and the series is tied one to one. So it could be anybody's game. Um, Let's go to the bank. Also yes. for the Yankees and the Astros, Houston leads two to zero. Oh my Ooh. goodness! They're gonna they play them. tomorrow. Let's Sweet talk about the ALCS right here, right now. Game one, the Astros came out and took advantage of the sleepy Yankees, and they won four to two. All right, in that game, Bernlander was on fire. Bernlander was vintage. Also a free agent after this season, yes. potentially going May- to the Dodgers. Yes, maybe. Oh my God, bro. <laughs> Everyone's going to the Dodgers. Everybody can so, be. Justin Turner, Justin Berlander, originally when he was going to the Astros, was linked with the Dodgers at one point. Yeah. And that's because uh, Kate Upson lives in LA. Kate they live Kate here Upson. in LA. Yeah, they do. And a shout out to his brother, Ben Ben. Ben no, don't shout out Ben no, Verlander. Don't I don't like why? Don't why would you shout out Ben? Why would you shout out Ben why? Verlander? Ben why? Verlander's never touched a baseball and talks all this <laughs> baseball smack. Yeah, he, he has. He has he played? Two way, two way hitter in the minor league, but he never made it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I hate Ben Verlander's opinion. He talked bad going to the NL, the ALDS. He mm. talked bad about Josh Naylor's, the uh, rocking the baby yeah, Sally, rocking the bases. It. He said he's like, I'm all for, I'm all for celebrating, and I'm all for, for you know, bat flips. That's disrespectful. At least keep it classy. That's not disrespectful. That's getting fired up. Do you have when they when they re, we, when they did it back to Josh Naylor in that game five? Uh-huh. You know what he said after? He's like, I loved it. I thought that energy in the stadium was electric. I thought doing that that's electric. I like I like that. You know, it's good for the game. It really is good for the game. 
you know, again, everybody likes a villain. Mm. Last night, mm-hmm. Aaron Judge almost hit one out yes. to save the Yankees game. And came up short, man. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised I'm rooting for the Yankees in any game. But they're playing the Astros. Speaking so. of the Yankees, they are playing terrible right now. In game one, they struck out a record 17 times in game one. Fast forward to game two, 30 strikeouts in two games. Oh, my goodness. That is a major bombshell record. Hit the soundboard for me. Which one? <laughs> Anyone. There it is. There it is. Noah, do you think going back to Yankee Stadium, you know, with Lance McCullers getting pushed back to game four because he hit himself with the champagne bottle on his <laughs> forearm, do you think going back to Yankee Stadium has an effect on, these te- on this team? It is an open dome. <laughs> they are opening the dome for game three In at Yankee Stadium. Do you think the short porch has an effect? Yeah, it does. Jordan's going to hit it out. I I think I think it's Astros all the way. I hate to see it. They're playing on fire right now. And speaking of Jordan, he's on fire too. Get the brooms out. I uh, recently saw get the brooms out. I recently saw a picture of Jordan Alvarez in the minor leagues. That food looked like D Gordon. No way. Yes. No, he, D Flash Gordon. Yes. yes. D Strange. It's Jordan when he was in the minor leagues. It's very suspect. It's just a little bit suspect. It looks like he's like just a little bit. It looks like man looks like Barry Bonds now. And you look at the minor leagues, it looks like D Gordon. Yes. Maybe 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 a possible type of situation. Growth spurt, maybe. Yeah. He has a growth spurt. Very big growth spurt. Maybe something else. Hopkins, DeAndre. Mm, Maybe. That's a good point. We'll see. All speculation. But we'll see if McCullers can can uh, cap off the three other kind of the Astros pitchers. Verlander was on fire, sitting in pitch, three hits, one run, one rock, and eleven Ks. That is a dominant performance. Yes. And then Valdez, on the other hand, seven innings, four hits, two runs, zero watts, and nine Ks. I think my colors can be that three of a kind for the Astros. Really? Yes. Who are the Yankees pitching? Garrett Cole? God, no. No. And I don't, I don't think Nestor either. They just pitched Luis Severino last game. Do we have a current update on the pitching status um, of game three of the Yankees? Garrett Cole is pitching for game three. No way. Yes. I would save him for game four. I mean, you want to at least get yourself This back is an elimination it. game. No, it's not. Oh, it's not. Yes. Sorry. My bad. I'm in the game five. Game five right now. There, yeah. No, I, I just I don't think. I think the Yankees get swept. 100%. Yes. 100%. Okay. Now we're going to be moving on to N- NBA. Woo. So, I have very sad news. A longtime NBA referee, Tony Brown, died yesterday after a battle with pancreatic cancer, and he was only 55. That is a tough loss for the league. I was watching uh, Inside the NBA on TNT and all the guys, EJ, Kenny, Shaq, Chuck, they spoke profoundly of him and what type of a gentleman he was, uh, a player favorite in the league. And Chuck Charles Barkley said it best. The NBA is a family organization. If one person goes down, everybody goes down. And that's the way it is. 
and prayers up to his family. Um, we send our prayers up to their loved ones and sad, sad loss for the NBA. Uh, now we're going to be talking about soccer. Yes, yes. Ladies and, and gentlemen, the MLS, Cup, the MLS Cup playoffs. Woo! Yeah, that's awesome. The MLS Cup playoffs oh are gosh. underway. I'm very excited about it. Dude, I stayed up last night to watch my team, LAFC, take on the LA Galaxy in El Trafico. A very hard-fought game. You know, a team that in the during the regular season lost to the Galaxy in the Open Cup and lost to them in the league. You know, it's a very hard-fought rivalry. I think the Galaxy have beaten them seven times in the history of El Trafico. So, coming to this game is very exciting. You know, I was looking to buy tickets. Didn't get to go. But um, it's a team where, you know, anything can happen. In the first minute, uh, in the first, you know, 12 minutes, Diki Puig, you know, got a yellow card, which should have been a red for headbutting Jose Cifuentes. And, you know, it reminded me a lot of the Zidane headbutt in 2006. Um, you know, that's that's a red card offense. And he didn't get carded. He got yellowed. Um, but it didn't matter because Denny Bunanga scores a goal, assisted by Carlos Vela in the 23rd. You know, Denny Bunanga, who had only scored his first goal for LAFC on the last, on decision day, you know, and it was a stoppage time winner, now opens the scoring here, and it was a fantastic scenes. The bank was jumping, the 32-52 were rioting. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until the 44th where Samuel Samuel Grandseer equalized off a just controlled bottom strike. And, you know, you go into halftime, you know, wondering about, well, how do you finish this game out? How does this, you know, you know, and, and even uh, Steve Chirindula was saying this team was made for the, the the options and the attacking ability that they have, that they that they weren't scared, they were they were ready to go back out there and adapt. That's he, he said. That's what's so special about this team is that they're just adaptable, and it showed. You know, mm. uh, Denny Bunaga scores in the 80th. It was very de- it was neck and neck. You know, they they can they compared it to a a track meet as they're running up and down the field. You know, Denny Bunaga scores in the 80th. Then Dejan Jakovic, Jovalich, the super sub. Scores a ripper outside the box. You don't save those. And then 90-3, Chicho Arango gets in the box, scores an open goal, and the bank is jumping. It's bumping. You know, the team, they, they earned that win. It's hard. It was hard fought. Uh, I was so excited. I was ready to go. And it was, it's, it's, it's going to be a great, it's going to be a great uh, Western Conference final as they wait for the, as they wait for the winner of, FC Dallas and Austin FC that uh, they play this Sunday. That Western Conference Final is going to be October 30th. Um, it's going to be a great game. All right. All right. I think this ends our podcast. Make sure you guys listen to us every Friday. Mm-hmm. And we'll... Thank you for Coach Esco. Thank you, Coach for Esco, for yeah. coming on the podcast. It was such to a pleasure. Program. You guys, don't forget to like, subscribe, hit the follow, hit the follow button, hit the, follow, hit, the uh, blah, 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 hit the follow bell. <laughs> I know it's been it's yeah, hot in here. Yeah, it's hard. For, it's hard to speak. Um, hit the notification bell so you can get, so you can get notified when we drop our next podcast, drop our next episode. You know, don't forget to follow our Instagram Elpi at Elpi Media. Don't forget to follow um, you know our Spotify, our Apple Music, our Instagram, our Twitter. Don't uh, go check out El Paisano online to look at our news stories. Yes, and the newspaper just came out, so go grab one. <laughs> It's hot in here. We're going to blame the heat, the no air conditioning that we have in the room right now for messing us up right now. We got to talk to our producer about that. Thank you to our producer, Edon. I can't say his actual name. 
Aro Martinez Yes, I know. We love it. Catch them uh, on campus. Say hi. Yes. Yeah. All, all right. Thank you all for listening. Okay. Can't wait to see you next week. Bye. All right. Good night, everyone. Peace out. <laughs>